chapter 12 is on page 957. Zechariah chapter 12. A prophecy, the word of the Lord concerning Israel. The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundations of the earth, and who forms the human spirit within a person declares, I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding people to read it. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. On that day, when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. On that day, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness, declares the Lord. I will keep a watchful eye over Judah, but I will blind all the horses of the nations. Then the clans of Judah will say in their hearts, the people of Jerusalem are strong, because the Lord Almighty is their God. On that day I will make the clans of Judah like a brandier in a wood fire, like a flaming torch among sheaves. They will consume all the surrounding peoples, right and left, but Jerusalem will remain intact in her place. The Lord will save the dwellings of Judah first, so that the honour of the house of David and of Jerusalem's inhabitants may not be greater than that of Judah. On that day, the Lord will heal those who live in Jerusalem, so that the feeblest among them will be like David, and the house of David will be like God, like the angel of the Lord going before them. On that day, I will set out to destroy all the nations that attack Jerusalem. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for me as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. On that day, the weeping in Jerusalem will be as great as the weeping of Hadad Rimon in the plague of Megiddo. The land will mourn each clan by itself, with their wives by themselves, the clan of the house of David and their wives, the clan of the house of Nathan and their wives, the clan of the house of Levi and their wives, the clan of Shammai and their wives, and all the rest of the complex uh, chapter of Zechariah, uh, but things we'll take out of it today. Let me say one thing clearly from this chapter, from this whole evening. As a Christian, you may feel like the whole world is against you, but God is very much for you. As a Christian, you may feel like sometimes the whole world is against you, but God himself is very much for you. This is the experience of the people in this chapter. We'll get to it in a second. But first, a raise of hands if you've ever uh, played sports uh, for a team as a child. Maybe you're a child now. Maybe you're a teen now. Uh, maybe thinking back all those years ago as an adult. Who, who played sport for a team when they were a kid? Uh, you may have had this experience. Can you imagine you've been signed up for the team? It's Bedford Town under eights or something. I don't know. And uh, you've got the shirt on, and you've got the new boots on. It's the first match of the new season, and here you are with all with all your teammates ready to go. And you're on, you're trained, you're in peak physical condition for an eight-year-old. I don't know. <laughs> and you're ready to go. First match of the season, <laughs> disaster. As you stand there with your eight-year-old mates ready to go, your first match of the season is against Manchester City. <laughs> who have just won the treble, they're the best team in the world right now if you don't know, they have just done every trophy you can possibly do as an English club, they 
your, your kit as an under eight and you're facing all the best players in the world in one team in Manchester City, you go, feels like the whole world is against little old me. Perhaps that rings true for the Christian life a bit. That you can you can become a Christian and you feel like I've got the, the new life, the new kit, I'm ready to go, and there's this new exciting journey with Jesus, and you kind of step out onto the pitch, as it were, and it feels like the whole world's against you sometimes. Is that right? And that was probably the experience of the people who Zechariah is writing to. They've just come back out of exile. Uh, they've got kingdom work to do. They're back into the restored relationship with God. But they're facing challenge after challenge, nation after nation coming against them. Uh, just problem after problem. And particularly in this chapter, there's this prophecy of kind of attack from all nations, isn't it? Attack from all over the place, left, right, and center. But this rings true for our Christian experience, doesn't it? As you live in the world, as you face culture and society, it feels like, as a Christian, the whole world can be against you. But Zechariah 12 wants to say that God himself is very much for you. Let's see this in just three short headings, and then hopefully a, a stack of application. Uh, heading number one for you this evening is God himself is for you. If you have a passage open, look at verse 1. The Lord, who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundations of the earth, and who forms the human spirit within a person, declares the following words from verse 2 onwards. God himself is for you. The God who made the heavens and the earth, the God who formed you, knows you, made you, made every single person, every soul. The, the God who, uh, it's almost like he wants to start by saying, on this Father's Day, you know that experience where you're possibly being a little bit knocked around at school, a bit bullied at school, and all you've got left is, well, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. If you're a Christian, on this Father's Day, you can very much say, my daddy is bigger than your daddy. My father made the heavens and the earth. How are you getting on? Uh, my father in heaven has the power to move mountains and change lives. Uh, God himself is your father in heaven and he's very much for you, backing you, when you feel knocked by the world. He himself, the one who formed the heavens and the earth, is for you. My father in heaven is for you. Second heading is God Himself will win your battles. God Himself will win your battles. Uh, nine times in this short chapter, we see the words, something along the lines of I am or I will. This is the God voice speaking here. God promising to do something. If God doesn't say, and Jerusalem and, and God's people will find some strength from some inner soul somewhere, or we'll just really collaborate quite well. No, God says, I myself will be their strength. I myself will fight their battles. Nine times. Verse 2. I am going to make Jerusalem into this cup. We'll talk about that cup in a minute. Verse 3. I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. Verse 4. I will strike every horse. Going on to say, I will keep a watchful eye of Judah. I will blind all the horses. Do you notice a theme here? 
Verse 6, on that day, I will make the camp of Judah like a brethren in a wood pile. Verse 7, the Lord will save the dwellings of Judah. I think that's 7. Verse 8, on that day, the Lord will shield. God himself will win your battles. Verse 9, on that day, I will set out to destroy. Are you getting the picture here? God himself will, will fight your battles for you. That's really reassuring news. God is not watching from a distance saying, I wonder how they get on with the strength I've given them before. I hope it still lasts them. He's not a street fighter character with the, with the you know, street fighter controller watching your energy bar get lower and hoping for the best. No, I am your power. I am fighting your battles for you. Do you ever uh, ever do this with your kids? Uh, I don't know if it's illegal. <laughs> but, <laughs> not much fun. Uh, you ever do this with, the, the infant will go on your knee and you get, don't say anything wrong, we don't do this, it's a mini police uh, You put the infant on your knee and you let them have a drive for the car. And you're on the pedals and you're really, you're holding the wheel, aren't you? Kind of holding the wheel under the thumb. And if you're anything like our four-year-old Charlotte, He'll roll down the window and go, look, I'm driving! Like, Sweet, but Charlotte, you're not driving. Look, I'm driving. I'm winning my battles. I'm living my Christian life. This is going great. I'm fighting in my own strength. And God's got you on your lap with his feet on the pedals and his hands on the wheels saying, God himself will fight your battles. God himself is your strength. In verse 5, in the second half, verse 5, then the clans of Judah will say in their hearts, the people of Jerusalem are strong. Why? Because they've been working out? No. Because the Lord Almighty is their God. God himself will fight your battles. The heading is this, that God himself will vindicate you. That God himself will vindicate you. Vindicate is this idea of the truth proving true. And that all you've stood for, all you've held as true, according to God's word, will be vindicated, will be proven true. The truth will prove true. And God himself will vindicate you. Look at uh, these weird images, metaphors all over this uh, chapter. But particularly, let's have a think about um, uh, verse 2 and verse 3. Whilst Tom brings me that cup that I've left on the floor. Verse 2. I'm going to make Jerusalem into a cup. Let's send all the surrounding peoples really. God's people are under attack from all angles from the world. He says, I'm going to make, I'm going to make um, Jerusalem, God's people, into a, a cup. It sends them all reeling. Verse 3, on that day when all nations on earth are gathered together, I will make Jerusalem into an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. What is Zechariah trying to picture for us here? He's talking about a cup 
He talked about a rock. God will vindicate his people. God's truth will prove true. When all of God's people are under attack from the world, it's like drinking a pint of squash. I'll make light work of that. No problem, I could down that. I'll make Israel into a, uh, Jerusalem into a cup that will turn the people weak. As you look into some of the meaning of that, like actually the cup that looks easy to finish off. God's people look easy to finish off. Actually turns out to be like a cup of poison. You know, I could take that on. A whole pint of squash, no problem. I could take on these Christians. No problem, actually. God will vindicate his people. Like the cup sends a ring, the cup turns out to be poison in their mind. So if they think they can finish it off, it finishes them off. What about this rock? This rock in the ground that if anybody who tries to move it will get injured. It's like seeing a pebble on the floor, going to kick it along the street. And as you do so, rather than it moving along the street, you move along the street. You're not just a broken toe, you're a shattered pelvis. It, it's completely destroyed you as God's attackers, as, as people come against the people of God saying, this is no problem, kick them to the curb. Actually, it sends them reeling and broken and, and damaged. God's truth will prove true. I'm going to let you linger on those images a little bit overnight because there are the images, but they're the metaphors God chooses to use in his word. To say what looks like easy take on Actually, God's truth proves itself to be true. God himself will vindicate you. And what looks like small fry to the world, God will use to prove himself as king. And to prove his own truth as true. God will vindicate you. I spoke to a few people this week about when... When does it feel like the whole world is against me? A range of answers. But they all felt very much like, as Christians, we can go through hard times in the world. And I think all of those things that we've looked at so far from this passage want to say this one thing, is that when you go through hard times, when? When you go through hard times, hold tight. When you go through hard times, Hold tight, because a day is coming when God will vindicate you. Hold tight in hard times. A day is coming when God himself will vindicate you. When your wisdom looks like foolishness to the world. When your parenting, uh, and all you've tried to teach your kids and instill in your kids to perhaps the rest of the world looks like madness. Hold tight in hard times. Because the day is coming when God himself will vindicate you. When you feel like you're missing out on Sunday stuff because there's a church service going on. When there's other sacrifices to your midweek time. Or the way you spend your money. Really... A lost cause, it's a bit sad. No, hold tight in hard times. The day is coming when God will vindicate you. 
you feel left out of the office banter. If you feel like sharing your faith only ends up with you being mocked or misunderstood. If you tend to agree, disagree with your peers at school or disagree with your peers in the workplace or disagree with government policy hold tight in hard times because a day is coming when God will vindicate you as teenagers speaking to a couple of teenagers this week and they say actually the culture of Drink, drugs, and dating is still very much alive and well. And as a Christian teen, my lack of participation in those things, or the way I handle them, can leave me rejected, isolated, left out of the other one out. When I perhaps am surrounded by views about gender and sexuality, but they don't seem to match with what I see in the Word of God. This can feel left out of what's hold tight in those hard times. Because a day is coming when God will vindicate his people. And this whole series has been called uh, Hope in the Chaos. And all those things I've described from real people, real lives in in our church family, that that can feel like chaos. It can feel like chaos. Where's the hope in the chaos? The hope is that in hard times, we can hold on knowing that God himself will vindicate his people. It's a comfort because our, the, the values that we hold and are often the values that get mocked, but they will be truth that is then vindicated one day. That the values that are marked will become truth that is vindicated. All that you've stood by, all that you've taught your kids, all that you've followed, all that you've believed, all that you've held on to and, and continue to hold on to, will one day be proved true. Why is this a comfort to you? Well, it's a comfort to you if you've ever been attacked for your faith. If your values and your, your following Jesus ever ended up with you being attacked or feeling under attack from colleagues, workplaces, friends, an ongoing feeling of aggression towards you and your values, it's a great comfort to you to know that one day God will vindicate his people. It's a comfort to you if it's ever cost you because you've given up something. Perhaps you've had to give up a relationship or a place that you've lived, or time, you've had to give up time, and effort, and, and perhaps money into something. And on one level it seems like this is just getting mocked and beaten, but actually it's a comfort to you because one day God will vindicate his people. His truth will prove true. Actually the, the values that are mocked, they're really not just a set of values, they're a person. The, the beliefs that you hold are not just abstract beliefs, it's a person you believe in. 
that the values mocked will become the truth vindicated. Really, it's, it's Jesus who is mocked. It's Jesus who the world mocks, and it will be Jesus who is vindicated. Uh, I said last week, did you remember? I said, with complicated passages like Zechariah 12, I said, uh, zoom out, look for the, but also look for Jesus. Because here is not just God's people are being vindicated, here is God's person being vindicated. How does Jesus vindicate you? How does God himself fight your battle? How is he for you? It's all perfect in the person of Jesus, and he's hiding right here in the text. Let's go looking for him. It's not just your values that are mocked, it's a person that is mocked, but it's a person who will be vindicated. Have a look from verse 10 onwards, and let's see where we can spot Jesus in these few verses. Verse 10, they will look on me. Whose voice is speaking here? It's the God voice. They will look on me, the one they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and they will grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son we've got an only child, a firstborn son who is pierced Isaiah 53 says that he was pierced for our transgressions looking forward to Jesus, to Jesus on the crucifixion on the cross, his hands are pierced, his side is pierced Colossians 1 describes Jesus as the firstborn among creation. John 3.16 says that Jesus, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave who? His own son. Here's Jesus right in this passage. It's Jesus who will be vindicated as people look on him. couple minutes to go, I have to tell you one more detail because this is how it happens. There's a detail where Jesus is hiding in this passage. Bethany read it for us. On that day, when people look on Jesus and and realise it's him they've been mocking all along, on that day when Jesus is vindicated, the weeping will be as great as the weeping in Hadad Rimon in the plain of Megiddo. Now where is that and what is that? Let me tell you. As you go into Old Testament history, the plain of Megiddo is where a great battle was fought. It's where the one good king of Israel, of God's people at the time, a guy called King Josiah, went into battle. He's the one good king they seem to have. He went into battle. They didn't recognize him. He got killed in the plain of Megiddo. The good king, who they didn't recognize, got killed. And they weep for him when they realize what happened. But this is Jesus hiding in this text. The good king, who our world does not recognize, he's been killed, he's been crucified for you. And for everyone who will attack Christianity too. And when there's a realization, there's a, a weeping, there's a mourning, there's a realization of the return to the king. Friends, if, if you recognize the king, and recognize that as the world attacks Christianity, really it's attacking the king, and the king will be vindicated, that can bring you a huge amount of comfort if you follow him. If you follow him. Sometimes it can feel like the whole world is against you. God himself is for you. It's the 90th minute of Bedford Town under eight versus Man City. It's right at the last minute and things haven't been going great. But in the 90th minute, Bedford Town under eight are awarded a penalty. 
and it's the only way to win the game. And Bedford Town under Ace have not got the strength themselves, or not got the power, not got the capability to slot a penalty past one of the world's greatest goalkeepers. And at the 90th minute, as the ball's about to be placed in the penalty spot, the king of football, Lionel Messi, <laughs> the goat, for those who aren't aware, greatest of all time, the king of football, Lionel Messi, steps onto the pitch, he puts on a Bedford Town under Ace shirt, admittedly it doesn't fit very well. But he turns and says, I'll take this for you. And not in the player's own power do they win the game, but in the king's own power they win the game. At the last minute, at the very end, the king wins for the people. The king wins for the people. King Jesus wants to say to you, there is a penalty, but not I'll take it for you, I'll take the ultimate penalty for you. I'll die on the cross for you, and then be vindicated. And not in your own power, not in your own strength, but God himself. God himself. He's for you. He will win your battles. And he will vindicate his people, but more importantly, he will vindicate his son. So follow him. Put your trust in him. Hold tightly to him.